0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Everything is heating up around Bulldog Baseball, and that's not in a good way. Hey, you're in the doghouse. Let's talk Mississippi State sports here on the Believe Podcast Network. Well, yes, uh, it's a uh, hot season already for Mississippi State baseball, and. In about the worst way possible, the Diamond Dogs are off to an 0 6 start in SEC play after consecutive sweepings by Eastern Division teams. Oh my goodness. And they're 0 6, about to face a South Carolina team that is 6 uh, 0 and tied for the top of the East right now. And Mississippi State has not even started the SEC West competition. Oh boy, that's uh, not exactly what we want to talk about right now, but we have to because that is the facts. Bulldog baseball, now 14-11, which we said last Friday and sadly we have to repeat again, is the fewest wins and the most losses by any SEC team at this point. Now, they're hosting Sanford on Tuesday night. Maybe they get back into the winning column there. But you have a hot South Carolina team, 23-2, and two, coming to campus. Uh, timing could not be worse as far as that goes. Now, the optimist would say timing couldn't be better for a turnaround. Sure, it's baseball. It happens. It's Mississippi State baseball. It's supposed to happen. But what we've been seeing the first couple of SEC weekends, and frankly, too many times before that, um, both in this regular season so far and certainly in the 2022 season, is not much like Bulldog baseball we've come to expect. In fact, now to be honest, yes, there have been up and downs in program history. It's just that after the 2021 National Championship, we quite optimistically, and it turns out incorrectly, believe that uh, such cycles were over, that the... Boom and bust cycle was over. State would establish itself at the top and stay competitive all the time. Well, that has not turned out that way after finishing last in the league. Here the Bulldogs are tied for last in the league again. And no, I'm not going to take any pot shots. Like the rival, which is also 0-6 in the conference, I doubt that the Super Bulldog Weekend Showdown Series between the last two national championship programs is going to feature a couple of winless teams there, with one of them sure to get their first victory, but you know that's going to be the popular talking point of all radio starting today and on until one of them, or presumably both of them, finally win a conference game. Mississippi State can't afford to think that way. The Bulldogs, again, 0-6. Let me phrase it this way. When you're only two weekends in and already you're starting to think about what's it going to take just to sneak into the SEC tournament at the end of the regular season, you know you're in a seriously bad situation. Mississippi State is in a seriously bad situation. But first, let's talk about our sponsor here. Get our obligatory comment on Bet Online. By the way, because Bet Online remains your number one source for all your college basketball betting this season. Yes, basketball's still going on. I couldn't name the Final Four at this point, but I'm sure most of y'all do know that and are following it because you can get from Bet Online as well analysis of every play, prop, and point. You'll find the latest odds. And based on what I've heard, at least, is going to be in the Final Four, it's going to be some interesting odds there. Bracket contests, team matchups, and game trends at Bet Online. Updated odds for everything from the live games, the championships right through all this weekend's Final Four. BetOnline is your college basketball postseason headquarters. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to sign up and receive a 50%. That's right, I said 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Be sure to use our promo code BELIEVE, all caps B L E A V, to receive your bonus. Bet online, where the game starts. Well, where is the game standing, not starting now, for Mississippi State? As we said, 0 6, tied for next to last, or you might as well say last at this point in SEC West and overall. Goodness. You would think that after last season they would have gotten quite a few things fixed. Well, no here here's something that i really painfully had to dig up over the weekend in fact i did it friday night after the 26 to 3 blowout first loss there that during the 11 loss streak to end last season i mean sec losses state only gave up double digit runs 3 times i was a little surprised too because i was so stunned by that 27 to 2 loss to tennessee in the final weekend that kind of distorted my thinking about that series to end the season. Well, not to understate how bad that was to finish up one year. But here they have started SEC season in, let's see, six conference games. They've given up double digit runs five times already. They've been outscored ninety to twenty-six. Run that around your head. Ninety to twenty-six already over six sec games that's staggering not least because you know this team is a better offense than it's showing right now but goodness even a great offense is not going to make up for what's happening on the mound and in the field and frankly when opponents can pitch any way they want to your offense isn't going to be able to carry you either but mercy 90 to 26 in six games and 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 it's Yeah, even I sometimes come up short for words, not in print, and I can always type something, and as you can see on the site today, I certainly have. But goodness, after consecutive uncompetitive SEC weekends, you're just numbed almost at this point of what is going wrong. Well, you see what's going wrong, not scoring quite enough runs to stay competitive, and certainly giving up all sorts of runs defensively and pitching-wise. It's totally negating an offense which generally ranks in the top half of the conference and in a few cases even leads the league. Did you know that State is tied for first in walks in the SEC? And I mean walks as in earning walks offensively with, by the way, coincidentally enough, South Carolina. State has the fewest strikeouts. Now that's something I will guarantee almost nobody knew, probably not even Jim Ellis and Jay Powell after the weekend. State Think of it. State has more walks in the regular season than they have strikeouts as a batting order. And, of course, they're tied for second in steals. Just those facts alone, as well as, like I said, being top half and with a slugging on base percentage, even raw average of the things, you think that's a recipe for a pretty competitive ball club. And this also comes in spite of the fact that uh, Lamonis and Jake Gotro are shuffling around to find some sort of lineups and then how that impacts the order as far as what they're going to do at third base. Um, I think now there's a good chance, and you can read Steve Robertson's piece today on Connor Hysack that maybe they go with a guy who, by all of admissions, is not the better defender, but then again, who has been a good defender on the hot corner so far. So if they're all equally and by equally, I mean equally unreliable with the glove. Just go with the best bat potential to try to make up for it later. So maybe he earns the job at the third base position. More so, you see, it's not for lack of trying what Gotro and lamonas have done with the batting order. For instance, over the weekend, they made a switch. They put Armani Larry in the two-hole. He'd been leading off the entire season doing a good job of it. And the explanation was not because anybody was hot or cold. They wanted to get a right-left tight matchup with the Vanderbilt pitching. So they're still coaching in that regard. Uh, do the results bear it out? Well, State, again, they're scoring some runs. They're getting guys on base pretty reliably. They're stealing bases. They're moving people around. Now, as we noted last week, the left-on-base percentage has climbed exponentially just in the last two weekends. We kind of figured that would happen once Comforts play began, but it's proven even more true than we expected. State is just stranding too many guys on base. It's all the frustrating because getting them on base is an accomplishment in and of itself. Not finishing them around, well, that's just a reflection that you're facing better pitching, better defenses, and State has hit into more double plays than anybody else in the conference this year. Now that's something we can carry over from last year. At the same time, it's not quite the same because I see better potential from this offensive unit whether in these one out, two out situations than I saw at any point in 2022. And we'll talk about that a little bit later on. Certainly we wrote about it today that this is just too talented a lineup not to be playing better than they are, particularly on the offensive side. But again, that will uh, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later. But goodness, the pitching. I'm trying to keep this in context. And you know, last year and previous year, we were infatuated with strikeouts. Well, as it turns out, uh, the way college baseball has developed, for that matter, baseball at all levels, naturally strikeouts are getting higher because batters are trying to swing bigger, make more happen at the plate. And it's, it's showing. So state has great strikeout numbers, all things considered. It doesn't matter when you're last in the conference in earn run average. You've given up the most runs. You've given up the most earned runs. And here to me is the huge one. You're not just last in the number of walks allowed. You are last by a 40-walk margin over the next worst pitching staff. Run that through your mind. Mississippi State has given up 40 more free bases than anybody else in the Southeastern Conference so far. And that does not even include the hit-by-pitches, which they're also up there, and are also, I think, next to last in wild pitches as well. They've given up 70 extra base hits, which is not extraordinarily bad. There are a couple of the conference teams that are about in the same area. Point being, though, when you're putting guys on for free, then giving up extra base hits, it hurts all the more. Plus, you have, the, admittedly, the last-place defensive team as far as fielding, last in double plays, and last in steals against. I mean, quite literally, there's almost nothing positive to say statistically about what Mississippi State pitching has done. Now, observationally, it's all the more frustrating because you watch these guys pitch and think, these guys can be good. You know, moving Nate Dome into the rotation was inevitable. I know some fans are talking about, coach needs to listen to us and move. Well, it's been planned for a while. They depended on getting Larry Nixon back healthy at the end of the game because Dome, frankly, is your best chance to close. And if Friday night's competitive or forget who you're going to start on Sunday, use your gun then try to win and just figure something out the rest of the way. That's all more the case from Mississippi State from now on out. They can't worry traditionally about rotations anymore. They've got to go with their gun on Friday, well, in this case, Thursday this week, and that complicates things too. I'll be fascinated to see what Coach Lamona says in his call-in show tonight because Jim Ellis will certainly bring up the topic that um, do you change your rotation for an early weekend because you've already changed it, what, four weekends in a row? But now Nate Dome, he started on Sunday. Do you bring him back on Thursday? I I can't imagine that after a number of pitches he threw, and he still had good velocity by the time he was finished up Sunday, by the way but you can't start a series with him, at least not to my mind. Now, coaches may think differently. Hey, he may have a miraculous arm that responds well. Now, after that, I do expect to eventually move into the Friday night and, of course, Thursday night slot, just not this week. But Landon Gartman, they really milked a lot out of him. In the Saturday game, I was keeping up. I was on the road Saturday. Um, you folks should have warned me that when you get married late in life, there's all sorts of responsibilities come, such as uh, transporting the grandkids to hand off to their relieved parents, uh, relieved after a week without them while we had them, uh, a couple of states away. We had to do that. So a little bit of an adventure for uh, in the Murray family here. Well, no complaints. The kids were great. At least that's what I'm supposed to say. Let me see. Is Kathy listening? No, never mind. I don't think she tunes in this podcast as well. I'm seriously, it was fun having him around. But then I'm trying to follow the Saturday game online and say, oh, they're up one to nothing. Well, we've tied one to one, still competitive. And you get to the ninth inning and Gartman starts getting shelled and you start thinking about, well, should you have pulled him earlier? And then reality strikes as who else is going to throw better? What's your better chance at that point? That's the situation that Scott Foxhall has found himself in now. And you've got to ride your horses in these sort of games as long as you're in some sort of striking distance. Which is why I also say that, you know, should this Thursday evening or even Friday evening, Mississippi State is in position to finish off a game, i.e. has a lead, don't laugh. You know they're going to win some games. It's going to happen. Nobody's gone, over oh, the SEC, it's not going to happen this year. Mississippi State is going to be in position to win some games. Do you hold off using Dome at this point? Well, if Larry Nixon is full strength, I think you do. You go with him. You you patch it together there and just make it finish up and bring him back because he's going to be eventually your lead dog in rotation. But at this point, you've got to go with what guns you have. But who are the guns? I mentioned Dome. I mentioned Gartman. Durangelo Sanjay. He has hit that freshman wall very early as a pitcher already, throwing primarily right-handed. Of course, he had the tough first inning, and then he battled on through into the middle innings against Kentucky. Vanderbilt, they just attacked him. What, first at-bat, home run immediately by the center fielder? Yeah, good player, but you don't give off a lead-up home run. Then two batters later serve up another long ball. It's just the shock of a lesson being learned by a freshman, But State's also had plenty of freshman pitchers walk out there and thrive, just not on Friday nights very often, and certainly not this early in the season. The guy's going to be good, no doubt about that, which relates, again, we're going to talk about it, that there is talent on this roster, whether it's the rotation, whether it's the bullpen, whether it's the infield, outfield, certainly the batting order. They're too talented to be doing what they're doing right now. But a lot of that is figuring out, at this point, who to do what with when. And that's no more complicated than it is on the pitching rotation at this point. So I suspect they'll start saying with this particular lineup right now after this weekend. I'm going to be really curious again, as stated, how will Scott Foxhall go at it, especially some guys short rest? I would expect Sanja to come back. On Thursday, most likely, because Gartman did throw a fair number of pitches on Saturday as well. You're not going to jump him up and just on five days rest, you're going to try to give him at least six. Then you can start figuring out things after that. But a rotation is taking shape. For that matter, a bullpen rotation is taking shape. Now, is that necessarily a good thing? Well, at least for knowing the names and places and matchups. He made a, Coach Lamonis made a comment about uh, he admitted people might think him crazy, but Graham Eintma is getting his stuff back. Well he could be the left hander out of the bullpen. All of a sudden you've got better options to go right left in the middle of games, instead of just having to run somebody out there just to try to eat innings, you actually can attack a batting order. Instead, there are too many times this is a direct quote from Coach Lamonis, we're fire starting against a hot offense. Well, it could could not have been said better, and he certainly said it right there. And really, the problem has been the fact that State just doesn't get off to a good start, and I don't mean that game-wise, but more so the first batter of every inning. I mentioned all those walks. Well, there's a byproduct to that. Besides the fact that pitch counts get up, the frustration level gets up, batters figure out, teammates watch what you're doing. When you have to go five, six, seven, or more pitches against a batter, the book expands on how to attack you. They see what you can and can't do that night, and it's all used against you as the game goes on. But if you can finish off the first batter, that is always the most important thing a pitcher can do in any inning. Start it with an out preferably a quick out, preferably a quick ground out. Then again, with the state of Mississippi State's infield defense, I'm not sure that's something you traditionally want to try. But it's still baseball wisdom, so uh, the less said about that, probably the better at this point. But still, get that first out of the inning, and everything else can be different. You're certainly, I will dare say this, if you're consistently getting out one of an inning You're not going to give up 26 runs in a game. You're not going to give up 15 runs in a game. You're probably not going to give up 11 runs in a game if you just start the inning with an out. Baseball really can be that simple in theory. But State has just not been competitive at the mound, beginning too many innings lately, and opposing batters know it. Oh, They scout, and if they walk up to the plate thinking, I can make this guy work. I don't have to hit anything kind of questionable. I'll just wait because there's an excellent chance he's going to walk me anyway if I make him work, and if he doesn't walk me, he's going to give me something I can make contact with against a defense that's shaky and possibly unlikely to feel the ball. Offenses just grow in confidence, and you can see the defensive staff, is and even the pitchers in the mind, that confidence start getting away. And once a runner's on base, when you're giving up the most steals in the SEC – That confidence just shrinks more and more. It it all piles up together into a critical mass of uncertainty, of shakiness. What's the answer? Well, the only answer is win. Now, did I give you some great wisdom there? No, you, you knew that as well as I do. But How can you win when you're not playing with confidence and believing you can win? I did a little digging again today. Some of it was easy because we all remember the 2018, which was absolutely freaking lutely dead in the water on the last day of March, and then all of a sudden pulled off the amazing, and I'll be honest, the most amazing comeback story I've seen of any Mississippi State sports in all my decades in what they did over the next dozen weeks. I'm not saying this team will is capable of doing that. Then again, maybe I should. Because in some sense, I can look at this and see, there's some talent on this team fairly comparable to that 2018 bunch. Or I can use, what, 2011 team, um, even go as far back as the 1987 team. The difference to me is, and a lot of this is just scratched from an increasingly scratchy memory, but those teams, during their struggles in February, March, even into April, they were competitive in losses. Maybe not so much in the scoreboard sometimes, but they weren't giving up double-digit runs all the time. They made plays in the field. They made other teams work to beat them. Then all of a sudden, Mississippi State started beating other teams, making plays, and making the other teams work to lose to the Bulldogs. This team, in some ways, is more talented overall than some of the clubs that I've seen before, not the ones I mentioned, because... Those turnaround seasons were the gel points. Uh, the 87 team all of a sudden clicks at the very end, makes it to the SEC tournament on the last possible day, wins the darn thing, and starts a run of NCAA tournament play, which cultivated in a conference championship and an Omaha trip in 1990. 2018, you know what that led to. Um, 2011, it was the start of what we consider the modern era of Bulldog college baseball in so many ways because from 2011 through 2021 was the greatest run of consistent success so it can happen with teams that stay with it stay competitive keep playing and just play baseball the problem is right now this team which has plenty of talent is not playing good baseball is not playing competitive baseball That, to me, makes a turnaround so much more difficult because it's one thing to turn around a team that's used to losing by a run or two or just doesn't make one play here or there. It's another thing entirely when you're losing by lopsided margins and even being run-ruled under the new conference mercy rule. And mercy is it needed sometimes here. That's why you wonder, do they have it in them to make this kind of transition? Physically, they do. So what does that mean about the coaching? I know that's what you're asking right now. What does it mean about the coaching? Well, I've always been a big believer that baseball coaching, 95% of it was done July through the middle of February. That once the season started, coaching slipped into second place to players simply executing, developing, doing their own fixes, tweaks during the season, all sorts of things like that. Right now, the state is having to coach all the harder And sometimes coaching harder just doesn't mean coaching better. It's natural because when you're paid what you're paid now, when you're in a conference like the SEC where there's no mercy, your peers are waiting to pounce, and don't you know the teams that have beaten states so far, some of those guys, even if the players weren't around, certainly they're Elders remember what Mississippi State baseball used to be. Of course, remember Nick Minjian worked at Mississippi State. Tim Corbin's seen Mississippi State, and I think he probably still has a little bit of grudge from Omaha a couple of years ago. They want to keep piling it on. So they keep playing hard and playing to pile the runs up, and they do. And Mississippi State is powerless. That's the frustrating part, too, again, or one of many frustrating parts. Powerless to stop them from having their way. So what's the coaching part right now? Well, yeah, figuring out the right order, figuring out the right, your, our best possible defensive team, pitching matchups, all those sorts of things. Yeah, that's the coaching part. It's the technical stuff. But there's more to it than that now. A lot of it's got to come from the players themselves. And to their credit, they do appear to continue to be playing as hard as they individually can. All right, I'm going to take a huge chance here. This will probably get me in some sort of trouble. But it can't be any worse trouble than the baseball program is right now, so I just got to go ahead and say it. There are a whole lot of talented baseball players out there who seem to have the uh, not ability, but the awareness of how to play just simple baseball kind of taken out of them. Maybe a little too analytical maybe a little too by the numbers, by the scouting, by the matchups. All of that stuff matters, but it doesn't matter when you're not fundamentally out there playing baseball as baseball is meant to be. You've got to start there. You don't build a team around analytics. You know, movies like Moneyball or you go back even farther to the old saver metric days, numbers, all those things are great and well, but, it all pales if you're not just playing baseball, the, the game that you've been playing for decades as a from your youth at all sorts of level, all sorts of competition. You, the analytics, the extra technical coaching, all those things matter when you've got the fundamentals down pat and just go up there and see a strike, hit a strike. Pit, throw a pitch that's in or around the zone. Throw it to where the catcher puts his mitt. Here comes the ball. Field it first. Make sure you got it. Throw it over to the correct base. Things like that. Mississippi State doesn't lack for training. It just lacks for the execution in there. I know fans hate to hear that. But my thinking is they're trying so hard to do it so technically perfectly, they've lost the fluidity to simply play baseball. Okay, now that I've sounded thoroughly like the old fart that I increasingly am, you can feel free to shoot down everything I've said, and maybe I should be. Maybe you should fire away and just say what uh, classically stupid I am, because numbers are all that matters, and ultimately, yeah, because the record is all that matters, it's But enough numbers, if only because right now it's kind of numbing. Would I think that Mississippi State fans are starting to get numb to this program, maybe stop paying attention? Well, there are places out there that already would have checked out and certainly would continue to do so during the course of spring. Mississippi State fans have too much invested, whether it's their heart, their mind, their bank accounts, or all the above, to stop caring completely. I know some who, and uh, have spoken with some, in fact, who are going to check out for the balance of spring, maybe check in occasionally, but they do it for the emotional cushioning other than any, you know, I'm riding off the program. They'll be back. They say they'll be back. They, they know darn well they're going to be back because that's what you do. More immediately, as I've said, there are talented baseball players on duty field right now In some cases, uh, probably more individual talent than I've seen in quite a few clubs over the decades here. And my decades include the 80s on to today. Clubs which usually stayed competitive and got better. And maybe this one will get better. It should. The talent is there. But what if it doesn't? This South Carolina weekend is turned into a real unexpected, very early, but kind of a make-or-break sort of test for a coaching staff that's openly looking for answers, it's not for lack of trying. It's not that they're just sticking to some sort of you know, archaic or unproven game plan that's not getting anything done. They're trying. They're doing everything they can, every chess move they can. And they have the good pieces to work with, even if some maybe are still a little bit green to the college game or in some cases still fitting into the SEC, which is just a whole nother deal. But there are better pieces there than to be winless in the SEC as of today, March 27th. What happens if they're still winless on the first Monday of April? At one point, I would have said that's unthinkable. Right now, looking at the matchup of South Carolina, it's not so unthinkable. And then you start thinking about, well, how many wins out of the remaining 21 SEC games out of that do you have to pull off to squeeze into Hoover there? And when you're doing that to start April, you're already so deep into a hole, it may not really matter. I guess my summary there is, if you, by this time next week, are one and eight or zero and nine SEC, you're no longer calculating what it takes to make Hoover. You're starting to count down to an off season where there's gonna be significant changes in the program in all sorts of areas. And that is probably where I ought to stop talking about baseball today. I don't think you want to hear any more about it either at this point. Uh, we used to call this Overreaction Monday, and we may yet again, but uh, maybe I'm the one overreacting at this point, and maybe not. Uh, and certainly from social media, which is always an absolute, ironclad, perfect measure of how the fan base feels, but no. I know enough of the people posting in certain areas. I know who to, generally know who to ignore and who to take seriously. Too many people who I take seriously, are seriously upset about what's going on at this point. And I don't doubt the players are themselves as well because they know they are better than this. This coaching staff knows they are better than this. Again, it is not for lack of trying, for effort, for scouting, for calculating, for doing everything a modern staff does. But maybe at this point, you almost go back to an old-fashioned sort of way of just play baseball and see if you can start gaining some confidence and then get back to the more technical issues and refining it. Because states just got to start winning some baseball games fast. And I don't just mean non-conference games. They've got to start winning SEC games or, well, you know the or. Now, on the brighter side of things, just before you have to wrap this up, uh, football is back in work. They finished up a first full week, as Coach Zach Arnett called it, because they had three practices. Uh Mike Nemeth had the Q&A session from Saturday following that uh, on the practice fields event this week. By the way, they have Pro Day on Tuesday morning. Our staff will be reporting from that. They practice again on Thursday and Saturday, we believe. Have not seen the full schedule yet, but should be coming out shortly. Scrimmage time ought to be coming up as well. And they started getting more seriously into next week. Of course, the padding is fully on and you're getting better reads on, you know, is the ground game really going to be that big a deal? Well, according to Coach Tony Hughes, it is. And he made the comment that uh, the running back room is a pretty happy place right now based on how many chances they're getting in Kevin Barbe's offensive schemes. Defensively, I was really fascinated to read what um, Coach Arnett also said and to follow up on that, that he hasn't come out and said they're going to change. But he is leaving the door open to flexing the defense from his beloved 3-3-5 to, if this is what the personnel fits, a 4-2-5 possibly, maybe even a 4-3 front. Shades of Emery Ballard football, uh, if because if that's where the strengths are, uh, your front line and linebackers, where are you going to play your strengths? You know, we talked a whole lot about uh, Barbeau's whole philosophy and what attracted him to Arnett and vice versa was he wants his best 11 playmakers on the field offensively at one time. Well, Matt Brock and Arnett feel the same way about defense now. They want their best 11 players and they're not going to be hampered by scheme and set. They're going to get the guys out there that can make plays, particularly now as they try to rebuild the safety positions and settle the cornerbacks, pick up that outside linebacker. Goodness, missing Tyrus Wheat already. But I think the most fun comment from Zach Arnett, and this resonates with old coots like me, when he said that in practice, offense versus defense now, they're making competitive, he says, we're just trying to win the day. Okay, out there, how many raised your hand, please, thought of, let's win something today? Yes, the old mantra of the Bob Tyler years. In fact, thanks to a fan several years ago, I have one of those Let's Win Something to T-shirts. I don't wear it. It's uh, not in particularly good condition, but I sure keep it around to remind me of that. When Zach Arnett comes out and says the whole goal at practice is just to win today, that strikes some pretty good chords with us old dogs who remember how Bob Tyler and his defensive staff, um, the new offense he brought in at the time, even though that changed a couple times over years, That transformed Mississippi State football entirely, that whole idea of just try to win something today. Well, here is Zach Garnett, five decades later, just try to win the day. I like the sound of that. I hope you do. And I hope you've enjoyed today's edition of our um, Monday overreaction, we'll call it, to Bulldog Baseball, which was our primary story, just a touch of a look at uh, football. Sorry, no time left to talk basketball, but then we don't have a lot of news on that front as we all wait to see what happens with recruiting as, goodness, one thing about social media, I don't go looking for it. I'm not one of those guys who follows the transfer portal that closely until maybe it gets closer to signing times, but mercy, are there basketball players just blowing up all over the place, making themselves available, men and women? And of course, every time one does, there's a fan says, let's go get this one. Well, you still have to play within roster limits. And right now, Mississippi State is not even sure of what that is because we're waiting on a couple of guys to decide, please, that they're going to be coming back for another season with Chris Jans. So that's still got that going on. So we'll have more to talk about basketball in future weeks. But right now, a focus on the positive news coming out of football camp so far and a larger look at the... Not exactly positive situation with Bulldog Baseball. Can it change? Sure. Should it change? Well, now's the weekend to do it, even if it's a matchup against one of the hottest teams of the conference, probably the best team on the SEC East side, at least statistically right now. But if you go into SEC West season with just one, or heaven forbid, no SEC wins, well, that's a story in and of itself that we hope we're not talking about Come next Monday. We will be talking again before the weekend is over here in the doghouse, though. And we thank you for checking in on this Monday edition. Remember, we're brought to you by Bet Online, where the game starts. And we appreciate your sponsor. If you like what you're hearing, give us a like on Apple Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. This is your host, David Murray. I managed to make it through without using a single Ricola as the annual spring brout with pollen continues to intensify. Hey, we all got to suffer in our own ways at this point. Thanks again. I hope to talk to you again before this weekend is going on. And however we struggle on the baseball field or whatever else is happening in the sports world around us, it's still a great day to win something, as Zach Arnett would tell you, and a great day to be a Bulldog sports follower, and just a great time to be here in the doghouse on the Believe Podcast Network.